John, thank you so much for that prayer this morning. Wonderful lead into what I want to share with you. But before I get into the sermon this morning, I want to reiterate for you what Pastor Chad shared in the announcement time. He did an excellent job, so I won't restate all of that, but just how important that apologetics pro-life training seminar is on Saturday, um, January 20th. So if you haven't signed up, take advantage of one of those avenues. We do have um, a table out in the foyer. Karen Leaf will be there for those of you who want to sign up who haven't signed up yet. And so that will be available after the service. Also next Sunday, January 14th, Uh, As you may have seen on the announcement screen, and it's in your bulletin, special day of of really emphasizing the importance of the Bible. We're going to do that in January every year here forward, a day of just reminding ourselves how critically important the Bible is. The Gideons, the Gideons International will share for 10 minutes, and then I will share a sermon on the inspiration, inerrancy, and complete trustworthiness of the Bible. We will also be taking a special offering for the Gideons next week, just to make you aware of that. Well, this morning, I come to the end of my series of messages on the attributes of God. I started with an introductory message, and since then, we've, including today, looked at 15, 15 different attributes of God, and we will end this series looking at the wrath of God. And the passage I've chosen this morning is Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 22, perhaps one of the most important sections in the Bible in understanding the human condition and understanding the world that we live in right now. And the Apostle Paul writes, For the wrath of God, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. 
men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. That is a heavy passage of Scripture that we are going to look at this morning, and intentionally so. Our first point is the wrath of God. The wrath of God is an expression of his holiness. The fact that he is infinitely pure, hates sin, and loves righteousness. This morning, every one of us is more thankful for the wrath of God than we will ever realize. You are thankful for it, and so am I. Every time that you see great evil and wickedness and repulsive things that make your stomach sick, we are thankful that every perpetrator of sin will ultimately be judged by God. One day in God there will be true justice in this world. And when you see the sin and the evil in your own heart, let us be thankful to God that God wants to root that sin and evil out because that sin and evil destroys you. It keeps you from being all that God has created and designed you to be. Let us thank God that in his wrath, he wants to root out all evil and wickedness in our own hearts. Now, the wrath of God could be a whole series of sermons. There are many aspects to the wrath of God. We could talk about the eternal wrath of God. The fact that people who reject the gospel of Christ will be judged in hell forever. We could talk about the final wrath of God. That one day every single person whose name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. But the aspect of God's wrath that I'm going to share with you this morning is the abiding wrath of God. That even right now, God's wrath is being revealed from heaven against all acts of wickedness and unrighteousness. In verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. I want you to notice that, notice that phrase, suppress the truth. It isn't that they don't know the truth. They do know the truth. 
and they suppress it. Verses 19 and 20, which are at the heart and soul of this whole passage. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. I want you to know this morning that creation, every single day, is testifying to the fact that there is a true and living God. And every person in every part of the world knows this through the testimony of creation. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. I want you to notice a parallel. I want you to just listen to a parallel passage, and this is very important. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4. The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Verse 21. For although they knew God, Don't miss that. He's talking about the whole world here. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Verses 22 and 23. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Every single person will worship something. But when they reject the knowledge of the true and living God, which is, true, which is clearly testified by creation... They exchanged that truth for the worship of earthly things. They worship idols. They worship their own intellect. They worship their money. They worship their fame. They worship their power. Everybody worships something. They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened, they exchanged the glory of the mortal, 
of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Verses 24 and 25. Therefore, therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because, please notice this, because... They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, even though this is a long passage of scripture, this is really the truth of this passage, verses 18 through 25. And based on those verses, I want to share with you three major truths that you may not have thought of before. And what I'm going to share with you may be new for some of you, so I'm going to try as succinctly and clearly to share these three major truths with you that come right from Romans 1, verses 18 through 32. The first truth is this. There is no such thing as those who have never heard. We talk about what about those people in the world who have never heard about God? What about those remotest tribes, people groups in parts of the world have never ever heard about God? the true and living God. And I want you to know this morning, please listen carefully, no such person exists. There is no such thing as those who have never heard. Every person in every part of the world knows there is a true and living God because of the testimony, the day-by-day testimony of creation. Again, verses 19 and 20, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Now don't miss this. So they are without excuse. No person in any part of the world has an excuse. Add to that Ecclesiastes 3.11 where it says that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. Every person knows there is a true and living God. And they know there must be something beyond this life. In reality, it's not that some people have not heard about God. Rather, the problem is they have rejected what they have heard and what is readily seen in nature. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, If you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. If you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. Jeremiah 29:13 the Lord says you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. 
These verses teach a very important principle. Everyone who truly seeks after God will find him. If a person truly desires to know God, God will make himself known to them. Now, I want to clarify very carefully, I'm not saying that anyone can be saved by looking at creation. But I am saying they can know there is a true and living God. And if they respond to the light they are given, I'm of the viewpoint that somehow, someway, God will get the gospel to them. But what's important for us to know is people are responsible to God, every one of them, for what God has already revealed to them. So first major truth, there is no such thing as those who have never heard. Second major truth, every unsaved person is everywhere. Every unsaved person everywhere is actively suppressing the truth. Actively suppressing the truth. So, if you go to Romans chapter 3, it says no one seeks for God. So we do know if someone responds to the testimony of creation, the Holy Spirit is at work in that life, perhaps in response to the many prayers that are lifted up even now in prayer groups for unreached people groups. But that is not natural. That is a work of the Spirit. Because every unsaved person everywhere is actively suppressing the truth. Verse 18 again. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Drop down to verse 32. Though they know God's righteous decree, though they know God's righteous decree, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. We somehow have this thought that out there in the world, there is are all of these innocent people who don't know any better. That's why they sin the way they do or live the way they do. Folks, we need to know biblically there is no such thing as those who know better. Or don't know better, I should say. There is no such thing as a person who doesn't know any better. Every person knows better. Because of the testimony of creation... Every single person everywhere knows better, and they sin anyway. So the second major truth is every unsaved person everywhere right now is actively suppressing the truth. It's not that they don't know the truth, they're suppressing the truth. Third major truth. Third major truth. And this comes from the first The wrath of God demands world missions. The wrath of God demands world missions. John Piper calls this one of the most important sections in Scripture on the urgency of world missions and how every Western church, every American church ought to have as one of its highest, greatest priority the sending out of missionaries 
to the unreached people groups of the world. And here's why. Because they know, they know there is a true and a living God, and they need a missionary. They need someone to tell them that that true and living God has sent his son to earth to save them and rescue from their rescue them from their sins and to keep them from perishing in hell forever. So one of our greatest, most urgent tasks is to send out missionaries so they can know, let me say that again, that the true and living God that they know exists has sent his son to die for their sins, to rescue them from their sins and to keep them from being judged in eternity forever. Romans 10. How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Our second point. Frightening examples in the death of Christ. Verses 26 through 32 are frightening examples of what happens to men and women when they continue to suppress the truth and reject God's gospel offer in Christ. When they see the testimony of creation, suppress the truth and reject it, this is what happens. I'm just going to read this for you. Verses 26 and 27. For this reason, don't miss that. For this reason, because of verses 18 through 25, because they're suppressing the truth, because they're suppressing the truth they see in creation. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error, a clear reference to homosexual, same-sex, sexual relations. But that's just one example. Verse 28 goes on to give other examples about all people everywhere. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And again, though they know Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Folks, that is the world we live in. Folks, that is me, and that is you, apart from Christ apart from Christ. This is a staggering testimony of the sinful heart of man. 
And the only reason we are not going to experience the wrath of God is because of Christ. I think of that great hymn written by Keith Getty in Christ Alone. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. Amen. Jesus took our sins and suffered the wrath of God for you and for me so that you and I would never be subject to the condemnation and the wrath of Almighty God. Jesus suffered the eternal wrath of God in our place. So great was the wrath of God that Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, Jesus suffered the torment of the damned. Darkness fell over the entire universe as he hung on the cross when he suffered in our place upon that cross. Great. Great is the wrath of God. Every soul, every single soul that has ever lived will either be judged in hell or will be pardoned by Christ. So as we go to communion, as we share the Lord's Supper, praise God for the death and resurrection of Christ. In Christ and in him alone, we will never experience the wrath of God. At this time, we're going to share the Lord's Supper together. One of our deacons will pray for the bread and cup. The deacons will hand out the bread and cup to you together. When everyone has been served, I will read a passage of scripture and then we will eat together and then I will read another passage of scripture and we will drink together. For those of you who are watching by live stream this morning while the deacons are serving communion, we encourage you to use this as an important time of meditation and reflection. At this time, we will share the Lord's Supper together.